Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one earthly page of Talmud every day. And in today's page, Yevamot 64, the Talmud gives us an astonishing insight about time itself. Have a listen. Although there is no explicit proof for the matter, the Talmud says, that one must take another wife if he has not had children after 10 years of marriage, there is an allusion to the matter as the verse states, and Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar after Abram had dwelled 10 years in the land of Canaan and gave her to Abram, her husband, to be his wife. Incidentally, the Talmud goes on, this verse also comes to teach you that the years spent dwelling outside of Eretz Israel, the land of Israel, do not count as part of his tally. What an astonishing claim. The time, that one thing that we think of as cosmically universal, flows differently, is to be counted differently, is to be seen differently when counted when one resides inside the promised land, the land of Israel, or outside of it. To address this matter, to resolve it, to get down to business, I have the joy of welcoming back to the show my dear friend. He's a senior advisor to the provost at Yeshiva University. But more importantly, for the purposes of this conversation, he used to be a resident of the great garden state, the great state of New Jersey. And now, for the past year or so, he resides in Modi'in, Israel, having made Aliyah with his family, the street noises that you would hear are the noises of the holiest preparing for Shabbat, which begins in Israel in just a few hours as we record this on a Friday morning. Rabbi Dr. Stuhalbern, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure and an honor to be back. So as we hear the beautiful sounds of Mudi'in preparing for Shabbat, tell me, when you read a claim like this, time is counted differently inside or outside land of Israel. You've now lived in New Jersey. You've now lived in the land of Israel. You've lived inside and outside. What, what do you make of this argument? So what's fascinating is the idea that time operates just a little bit differently in the Holy Land actually goes back to the Bible itself. See, when Joshua, in his uh, eponymously named book, is first conquering the land of Israel, there's actually this fascinating battle whereby God allows the sun to stand still enabling the Israelites to help conquer the land. Shemesh Begivon Dome. So even the sun itself is subject to the special rules of time in Eretz Israel and in the Holy Land of Israel, where things operate just a little bit differently. But personally, I had this experience in a very moving way just this past week. Fascinating that the Gemara mentions this unit of 10, uh, 10 years. Well, 10 o'clock in Israel on certain days is not just 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock a.m. to 10.02 on Yom HaShoah on Holocaust Remembrance Day in the land of Israel is a profoundly moving experience that is in its own realm, its own layer of time. So the way it works is that there's a siren that goes off in the land of Israel from 10 to 10.02. And I turned to my wife and said, let's experience this together like real Israelis. Let's drive purposely nowhere. Let's drive towards the mall, but we're not going to the mall. We're just going to drive so we can stop on the road to experience this siren. So sure enough, we got into our car, drove for about six minutes, got lost in conversation, and then we heard it. And we pulled over, sort of said to one another, we supposed to put our, our blinkers on? And we just got out of the car, each one of us on a different side of the car, and just stood. And Liel, 
I'm telling you, the two minutes were like a scene in a movie where a character goes through this revelation, this flood of horrific memories and images from past lives experienced, from long-lost ancestors, from images from Holocaust movies, from imagined horrific horrors that the Jews experienced during that horrible period, flooded, flooded in this mosaic of horror for two minutes. And tears are streaming down our faces. And then we're staring into nothingness, into the most dark mental place, and then the siren ends. And you wipe away your tears. And of course, being Israel, I would say, to use a Talmudic term, within the time it takes to say the next word, a car honked the next car on the road to get a move on already <laughs> and to continue on with their day. But what was more striking... <laughs> Because even the most emotional of chavayot, of experiences, of having two minutes of the Holocaust rolled into your brain, it, it, it couldn't wait for the light to change. You know, once, once, there you go, right on cue, <laughs> two minutes and one second. You know, but then you look up, you wipe away your tears, and your eyes and your minds reopened, and you see the kachol v'lavan. You see the blue and white of the Israeli flag on the road. And you think to yourself, how incredibly lucky are we to be alive today? How incredibly lucky are we to live in this incredible land? Yes, they're a little over-anxious on their honking, even in the most emotional of moments. But it is an incredibly powerful feeling of gratitude to God and of recognition of contemporary Jewish strength and for all that the land of Israel offers the Jewish people and anyone who would come to visit its shores. And one other element, if you'll indulge me, is the way that the weeks, or the days of the week, rather, are counted in the land of Israel. By that I mean, with all due respect to any Thor worshippers out there in America, I'm not sure there are any. And don't get me wrong, I'm as excited for the next Thor movie as Natalie Portman is. But I don't think Thor's Day or Thursday is really meaningful. I was about to say that there are more Loki worshippers, I think, in America. Exactly. So I don't think there's any meaningfulness whatsoever to the etymology, the original uh, meanings of the words Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday, Friday. It's all relatively the same. But in Israel, you're counting up to something. There's a purpose to your week. There's Yom Rishon, Yom Sheni, Yom Shlishi. You're counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. The seventh day is, of course, the Shabbat. So even the way the weeks are counted, the way time is counted, is purposeful, is meaningful, and is mission-driven, and is value-driven. And my favorite part of this is, of course, Friday, as you know, uh, as an Israeli yourself, Friday is the beginning of the weekend, which means, of course, Thursday night is the beginning of the weekend. And so by Wednesday mid-afternoon, the checkout person at the grocery store will already start hitting you with a Shabbat Shalom, which is glorious. And so the timeliness of Israel operates on this incredible mix of historical uh, baggage and fraudness, but also opportunity, gratitude, and a direction towards the future that can only ultimately end up with our collective redemption in the Messianic era. And it's just, I'm so grateful to be able to experience it here. Stu Halpern, thank you so much for being on the vanguard of those who moved to Israel and holding the space for all of us. And thank you so much for being our guest. My absolute pleasure. Thank you.
This has been Take One. If you enjoy the show, and I hope you do, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we will be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafyomi. Take One is a Tablet Studios production. The show is hosted by me, Leah Leibowitz, and is produced and edited by Daron Ruskay and Quinn Waller. Our team also includes Stephanie Butnick, Josh Cross, Mark Oppenheimer, Sarah Fredman-Ader, Robert Scaramuccia, and Tanya Singer. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You can find us on Twitter at takeone.fiomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we have made your day a little more Talmudic and we will see you again soon. Thank you.